0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the Wednesday edition of a week that I think America will long look back upon and reflect upon. Is this the country we intend it to be? Yes, we are in a moment where a drive-by impeachment is literally going on, a one-day impeachment of a president. Uh, There doesn't seem to be any evidence that will be introduced, any witnesses that will really be explored. We won't know the real underlying evidence that led to this impeachment uh if it continues on its one day course drive by nature but that is what is going on in washington today we're covering it stem to stern here at just the news and um i want to uh, uh mention to you w- one story but before i get to that i want to tell you about today's guest joel griffith from the heritage foundation is joining us he is one of the brightest voices uh, a man who speaks with with such sincerity with such passion but always with dignity there's none of that anger none of that swagger none of that insult that so much dominates talk television talk radio these days this is a guy that has his data his issues and his beliefs together and he speaks with passion and energy he's he's absolutely delightful i've heard him many times i'm so excited to get him on the show today but he never demeans he never needs to say a crossword he never needs to embarrass the other side he talks with dignity facts uh passion uh and he does it in a way that i love and the heritage foundation's done something uh that i think is one of the great visual exercises if we were in an era of journalism we'd call this journalism but as you know most of my colleagues have died and pursued some other profession called um, uh propaganda but Uh, Heritage went about and he went to all the communities where uh, government officials put together a um, regulatory regime, restrictions on everyday Americans to protect them allegedly from uh, COVID. And then the elected leaders in those jurisdictions in those cities and counties and states did not follow their own rules. They were caught cheating on the very rules they imposed on us. You know, we know about Gavin Newsom. We know about... Speaker Pelosi and her famous hairdo uh, that, you know, broke the rules. Uh, we can go to, you know, the Comos in New York. We can go around. But they have found four or five dozen really compelling examples of local officials who own a restaurant and cheat uh, that are flouting and violating the very rules they're imposing on America. And I think it that double standard, that hypocrisy, Joel's going to be here to talk about it. We're going to illuminate it. We're going to call out some officials who deserve to be in a polite factual way, the way we always do it, Just the News, but you're not going to want to miss this segment. I think uh, he is one of the great voices uh, in uh, the um, conservative space today, the think tank space. We try to give you lots of different uh, people to talk to here, and I think you're going to like today. It's a little off topic from the impeachment, but I think you're probably getting drowned by impeachment and doom and gloom and all the silliness that is going on in uh, Washington. So I thought a uh, a more Um, rational voice about an issue that's going to long linger past this momentary strife in Washington uh, is going to be fun. So you're going to get to hear from Joel in a second. But before we go to the break, I want to point out one story I wrote today. I think it's very important. Last night, I previewed one of my stories, the, the failure thus far of President Trump to deliver on one of his biggest promises that isn't yet done, and that is declassification of the Russia and Ukraine evidence. My goodness, uh, there has been a failure there, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that we will not stop fighting for that information to the last minute and hour that Donald Trump is in the White House. And then if he leaves, we'll continue to pursue these legal lawsuits to force this information. I know what documents need to be put out there. I made a list of 40, it's up on the website today. Go check that out. The 40 most important pieces of information still kept secret in the Ukraine, Russia scandals. We'll use the lawsuits if we have to. I still hope that the president won't forget the promises he made to me in interviews um, and to the American people on Twitter that he was gonna declassify everything. Mark Meadows, Pat Cipollone, President Donald Trump, you can still do this. There's still five and a half days of your term left. Make a difference and release these documents for the American people. I'm not doing it as an advocate for myself or for my organization. I'm doing it on behalf of the American people. But the story I really want to point out, because we kind of teased that and let you know that was coming, and I'm going to be on Lou Dobbs tonight talking about it. But the story I wanted to talk about is the three most important, unanswered questions about the capital siege. Listen, there was horrific violence by horrible people who conducted terrible, terrible acts of violence, hitting a police officer over the head uh, with a fire extinguisher. That isn't conservative, that isn't liberal, that isn't activism, that is felonious behavior. Could be punished by capital punishment in my mind, but what a horrific... Horrific set of behavior. I'm not condoning that. But listen, there are some pretty significant unanswered questions that uh, exist, particularly now that we're learning about what the FBI knew, what the NYPD warned about, what was floating around in the intelligence community. I want you to just go check the story out. I won't spend a lot of time now in I just want to point out a couple of things. No one has asked nancy pelosi what she and her staff knew from the house sergeant of arms we're working on that here at justin news but we don't know what nancy pelosi knew and when she knew it we know the police chief went to her security chief the house sergeant at arms a guy named irving and told him he needed national guard troops large numbers of them two three days before the protest began and he was turned down because the House sergeant at arms said the powers that be were worried about the optics Are those powers to be Nancy Pelosi or Steny Hoyer or Kevin McCarthy? We don't know. We need to find that out. If we're gonna assign blame for what happened, we need to know what the leaders in Congress, the people who control the security in Congress, did, knew, forgot, failed to do, did do, were turned down, denied, We don't know that. And the fact that we're moving into an impeachment assigning full blame to Donald Trump without knowing that is a big hole in the public space. It's just like the holes we had when everybody was telling us the day after 9-11, we were sucker punched. We didn't see this coming when in fact the FBI and CIA had most of the plot. They just didn't connect the dots. Big failure of intelligence. I suspect there's something here in Congress on that. Here's another big uh, development. Yesterday, the U.S. attorney and sources of mine at the FBI and the assistant director for the fbi in the washington field office all confirmed that they believe that the acts that occurred on wednesday january 6 in the siege of the capitol were part of a conspiracy that was carried out over many days it was pre-planned how do we know that they're charging people with making sophisticated explosives that didn't happen on the fly they were made in advance and planted in places there were maps we're told being held out we hear from Uh, Congressman Clyburn, one of the great respected Democrats, um, number three Democrat in the House, that he believes there was um, insider help. That is a conspiracy that would have occurred several days before. There was planning, according to the FBI. There were warnings on social media and on bulletin boards and on messenger apps that this was going to happen. So I ask you, how could it be that the president invoked a spontaneous riot that had already been planned by perpetrators days and weeks in advance. That is a question that remains unanswered. Maybe the president deserves some blame, I don't know yet, but without the factual basis, this drive-by shooting today is missing a very important point to illuminate the truth. If the truth warrants actions by Congress, then it should happen, but we are flying without the majority of the facts or truth. And just remember, it wasn't that long ago where another riot, was we were told was spontaneous, instantaneous. Remember Benghazi, the four men that died there, including our brave ambassador. Uh, well, we were originally told that was a spontaneous riot by, uh, by uh, local citizens who were outraged by an anti-Muslim video. What did we find out? That was sold to us by who? none other than um, Susan Rice, who's coming back into the Biden administration. We later found out it was a planned terror attack planned days and weeks in advance, we ought to take that lesson and say, Hey, until we find out all the facts on this, let's not make assumptions that this was a spontaneous combustible riot. It appears that there was some planning by some people. We need to know who those are. So I go through the three questions. There's also the insider help question. Take a look at that story. It's getting a lot of traction today. A lot of people are talking about it. It's one of the sort of investigative journalism and thought pieces we like to do. We're not trying to make up your mind trying to give you facts and let you make up your own mind there are three very important questions that remain unanswered factually at this point check it out all right we're going to go to that commercial break when we come back yes joe griffith you're going to love this guy from the heritage foundation smart passionate um diplomatic uh you're going to learn a lot and we want to talk about this database the interactive map of hypocritic hypocritical uh COVID regulations Yes, government officials didn't follow the very regulations they imposed on their people. You got to check that out. And we'll be right back with Joel Griffith right now after this commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I all right folks welcome back from the commercial break and as promised a very special gra- guest joining us from the heritage foundation today is joel griffith and he's been part of a project that i think is one of the most important things i've seen at the beginning of this new year the construction of a map and database showing how the many places in america where government imposed restrictions on everyday americans and then their political leaders well they flouted them themselves joel welcome to the show Hello, thanks for having me today. It's an honor to have you on. Uh, tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this project. I think it's just a, it's, a, it's a thing that journalists used to do. I'm so glad the Heritage Foundation did it, but tell us what you, what you, what inspired you to do it and what you found.
1: Well, a lot of us at Heritage and, and my colleagues, we have been, um, of course, personally impacted um, by, by the shutdowns, as have all of us. And over time, we just noticed so many stories of county commissioners, governors, mayors, Judges that have pushed onerous restrictions, some of them unconstitutional, on the citizens of their communities. And yet uh, when the cameras are off or when they think the cameras are off, they're actually engaging in the very behavior that they're telling us to refrain from. And we're not talking about bad behavior per se. We're talking about things like going to dinner, having a family get-together, going to uh, a party or on a vacation. And there's repeatedly – from coast to coast told us not to do these things, and yet they have. Now I think one of the biggest examples that comes to mind is the, the state of California, where yes. once again, the state's under a, uh, a nearly a statewide shutdown. You can't even get a bite to eat in most restaurants without the running criminal uh, penalties. Uh, but yet uh, think back to a few months ago when uh, the state assembly met. Um, all the freshman legislators got together and they took a picture and they were all socially distanced for the cameras. And then what did they do after? They all went to dinner together, non socially distanced. And there's nothing wrong with going to dinner, don't get me wrong. It's just that these politicians are telling us we can't do it, but yet they're doing it the moment they think the cameras are put away.
0: So give us a sense of just the scope of this hypocrisy, this double standard, this uh, two ways of living, one for the department of us and the the rest for the rest of the world. Uh, How many instances have you been able to document of officials not following their own restrictions?
1: Now, there are many dozens. I think we have about four dozen that wow. we oppose to some of the most egregious ones. But here's actually one uh, from my old neighborhood in uh, Lakeview, Wrigleyville, Chicago. Um, the uh, Alderman, Alderman Tunney, um, owns uh, some, uh, some restaurants. There's a lot of nice little cafes in, in Chicago. Sure, And those have all been shuttered uh, indoors. But uh, guess what? his restaurant was allowing indoor dining at a restaurant that he owns for a few of their favorite customers. <laughs> and they didn't stop until they got caught. And once again, I'm all for having a bite to eat and a coffee indoors. Right? But in this situation, this is an alderman. who The, this, the alderman was first to the city council there and the mayor. They've shut out these businesses, but yet he kept his open. And that is just so, uh, so wrong. Um, oh my gosh. Think of uh, Dr. Deborah Burks, uh, yeah. fine doctor. Um, She's been advising the administration and and communities on on COVID and was telling people, don't get together for Thanksgiving dinners. Don't get together for Christmas. Put all of this off. Um, And and what did did she do? She actually went to her Delaware vacation home with numerous other family households. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with getting together with family. I got together with, I think, six households in my extended family for Thanksgiving. But I'm not out there telling people, stay home and don't get together with your family. She was and yet she did that when it came to her own life.
0: There's um, the obvious political consequence of this, the hypocrisy issue, the shaming, but there's also another question constitutionally, which is there's supposed to be equal protection, equal treatment under the law. Um, Have any of these instances that you've documented resulted in any lawsuits or any claims by people that we created two uh, two classes of citizens, one, the privileged and entitled in government, and those, the rest of us in, in average America, any, any sense that this is going to lead to litigation or challenges anywhere in the places where you've documented it?
1: Um, I don't know of any litigation based on that. Oh, that's an excellent question. And certainly we have a de facto situation in which people are trying to set laws that they aren't applying to themselves. But on the surface, the law does apply to everyone. I think what we are seeing in a lot of states are a number of successful lawsuits both by private parties but also by state legislators trying to block some of these emergency shutdown orders. We've seen victories in uh, in Wisconsin. We've right. seen victories uh, in the state of Michigan. We've actually seen victories in the Supreme Court against uh, some of these orders in places like New York um, that have prohibited, uh, prohibited religious assembly where you've got religious assembly prohibited but yet you've got other types of assembly that are prohibited whether commercial or protests that are supported by the left-wing government so i think it's very important that we as private citizens Challenge where warranted these uh, uh, these unconstitutional orders. Um, This is really fraying on people's uh, not just it's not just a business matter Although businesses are suffering and going under because of this It's also a matter of our civic communities our faith communities being frayed Relationships uh, that are going backwards because we're not able to communicate with each other face to face uh, and, And of course just that very necessary human interaction. This is really weighing on people spiritually emotionally psychologically um, and I think uh, we're, uh, we we should be um, pushing back peacefully, of course. We're warranted, and we can do this through through the courts. We're seeing success across the country in the courts on this.
0: Yeah, and listen, the the New York ruling that you mentioned, which came down, ironically, on Thanksgiving Eve, I was around uh, about midnight and I uh, wrote the story for Just the News. But, you know, that is a landmark uh, ruling against uh, Governor Cuomo and his um COVID uh, religious restrictions. And one of the justices wrote, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Gorsuch wrote this eloquent thing, which is we don't get to suspend the constitution just because we have a pandemic. And yeah. um, I think so much yes. of what you're documenting is the folly of, of having two classes of citizen, two classes of behavior uh, and uh, what has, I, I'm curious because now it's got out in there for a while, it's gotten a lot of attention, we've written about it, many other people have written about it, I've seen it on TV. What's been the reaction to the map, to the database? What, what do you hear from everyday Americans about this?
1: Um, I, th- I think they're, 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 um, they're outraged. Um, and a lot of these stories haven't received national attention, and I think it cements into place what a lot of people intuitively know that these restrictions, they might have been well-intended early on. Right. um, But there comes a point where um, it's actually not just about health. Um, We've seen states such as Florida that have reopened um, almost nearly completely, um, and they're faring much better than places like um, New York. Um, And I think we're getting the sense that oftentimes uh, politicians are actually reluctant to admit that they made a mistake. Yeah, it is embarrassing, sure. but you got people's lives on the lines, their community lives on the line. Um, and I think uh, now when you see what's happening in New York where you have Governor Cuomo finally, better late than never, admitting we can't get, we can't stay closed forever. Even though the vaccines aren't fully distributed, he, he's saying we're going to have nothing left to reopen. Um, and uh, it's better better to admit you're, you're, you're wrong a little late than never do at all, especially when other people's livelihoods and lives are on the line.
0: Now, some of this sentiment, this furor, I mean, that's the wrong word for it, but the um, uh, disappointment, frustration, um, anger at our politicians is starting to mobilize into action. In California, where uh, this state has essentially been locked down since March, I mean, I suppose there were some moments where people got a little fresh air, but it's essentially been locked down since March. And then the governor himself caught uh, breaking his own rules. Um, There's a recall movement going on. I think it's more than a million signatures. So they're two thirds of the way uh, from recalling Gavin Newsom as governor. Do you think there will be other political movements as you study this, you know, as a, as a person looking at it, does this lead to, you know, just an expression of outrage or are there political movements and solutions that you think are forthcoming here?
1: Oh, yeah. And and, and I'm glad you mentioned California. There are some um, peaceful movements underway to actually push back. If you go to uh, my old neighborhood, which is uh, Southern Orange County by Newport Beach, many of those restaurants actually are are opening and bars um, indoors even. Um, And that's because the uh, the community has decided uh, the businesses that they need to open to survive. And the county sheriff um, is not enforcing the full. Um, the full breadth of some shutdown orders. You go to San Diego. A similar thing is happening where um, restaurants and bars um, got got together, and many of them anyway, and said uh, they're not going to comply with uh, with this latest round of of, of full shutdowns. Um, and you've seen much success of that. I've got a number of friends that live out there that are enjoying at least a quasi return to. Uh, to, um, to to freedom, a basic ability just to go out with your friends uh, and family for even a bite uh, to eat. So we are seeing that um, in in communities across the country. You see uh, Florida, where the the governor Governor DeSantis has um, has largely reopened the state and has right. put restrictions on the ability of counties and mayors to to enact new shutdowns. And uh, they're not. Through some of the mayors aren't too happy with that. But guess what? The communities certainly are. And if you go ahead and take a visit and you see people that are. Re-engaged in life, and they're out. They're out living their lives, um, and they're doing they're, it they're safely, per, they're right? They're wearing
0: athletes. masks. They're doing social distancing. They're doing the things they need to, but they didn't have to be cloistered. I think. I think that's the lesson. Yes. I have a funny feeling when history looks back, Florida versus California as a case study in not only regulatory fiat in in medical practice, but also, you know, I saw Governor DeSantis yesterday. I think he was at the Villages out in um, Central Florida. And he had a plan to get shots out faster than any other state has been able to implement it. There's a lot of innovation and a lot of confidence that, you know, government, when practiced, right, can do right things, right? It can do the things right. Uh, I I just imagine when we look statistically that California and Florida will be the polar opposites in in the stories of this pandemic. Do you see other states where... uh, uh, we've been able to preserve liberty and freedom and yet protect the American public because we all want to be protected we're not asking to be reckless here uh, any other states that pop out as you as you look at the map and, and the differences in, in hypocrisy policy and implementation
1: sure now I think um, Georgia has done a, a fine a fine job. Uh, Governor Kemp has, Uh, ensured that uh, even places like Atlanta, there are limitations on the type of restrictions that the mayor can put in place, Um, and they're now getting the the vaccine out. We've seen this in South Carolina, which, of course, went through an initial shutdown early in the year, but they very quickly um, opened back up uh, their, their communities, of course, with basic precautions in place, but you can have basic safety precautions without forcing Large sectors of the economy uh, to close. We've seen um, Texas as well. Um, I think Governor Abbott is is um, doing what he uh, you know what he can relative to at least other states in in the, in the Southwest um, to uh, to keep as much of Texas open uh, and to keep much of it open despite the fact that you have mayors in places like Austin that are trying to put onerous restrictions on people. Um, so yeah, there there are a lot of examples uh of states that have done far better than places like New York and California. Of course what happened in New York is is just a travesty beyond the shutdown. Yeah. If you look at uh the nursing homes, they did right? not they did not actually protect the vulnerable. Yeah. Uh you know, Governor Cuomo was requiring assisted living centers to take in people that knowingly had they, they had COVID. They were positive. and so many lives of the vulnerable and a lot of elderly individuals were lost. Um and and and, and needlessly it's very sad that you see a place like Florida where they're prioritizing immediately those that are at high risk to get these vaccinations. Uh, it's really night and day.
0: Yeah, And it's funny, you know, there's been a playbook in Washington and, and in the States for many years that if a pandemic struck, that you you let the healthy uh, with the proper restrictions and and, uh, protections get out and you you protect the vulnerable and it seems as though our public health officials both at the state level and some at the federal level actually did the opposite they they sent the sick to the vulnerable and they locked up the the potentially Ah, healthy or least likely to be seriously infected there's got to be a learning moment from this pandemic and it doesn't seem like those in washington really want to learn from it they want to they want to cast aspersions and point fingers, but somewhere along the way, and I think that's why Heritage exists, right? You guys study and you bring thought and you you bring analysis to the data and you make sense of this craziness. We're, we're so lucky to have you. What are some of the other fun things going on at Heritage? I'm, I, I'll tell you a great story. I, I came to Washington in 1990. right? At the beginning, uh, I think my first day on the job at the Associated Press was uh, the day that the Clarence Thomas hearing started in 1990. And my boss said, listen, you're on your own. We're too busy here. So go out and meet some people. So I started to make some calls and I I, I met some incredible people at uh, Heritage and I came over. I got to meet uh, Ed Meese, the former attorney general. And for the last 30 years of my career, time and time again, I've turned to Heritage for data and research and expertise. You guys have such an amazing base of information analysts, experts, and even though you come with a perspective of your freedom and conservatism, you're you're very transparent about your data, right? You're not trying to hijack the data you're yeah. doing. So sort of what are some of the other fun things that Heritage is doing today to inform and um, help the American public learn through these very turbulent times?
1: Um, well, we're doing a lot on the, the budget side, and it's something that uh, a lot of people left, left wing and right wing have actually have ignored. for years now, Um, going back more than just the last four, going back um, for for decades. And we're really um, trying um, to help people visualize and help people understand um, the negative long-term repercussions to continuing um, these imprudent uh, spending policies. And I I think it's really come to a boiling point this year as so many of us are, um, so many Americans are receiving free money in their checking accounts. And there's uh, there's not a lot of understanding about how that will actually impact our future. Um, I think we're starting to see that with some of the uptick in in prices. Maybe people are getting a sense of it. By and large, I think businesses are are uh, are enjoying this this uh, sugar high as are people's checking his accounts. But yep. we need to keep uh, we need to, uh, to really educate um, individuals about the necessity. Um, of reining in this spending, doing it before we end up in a crisis like we've seen across parts of Europe. of course. Um, and even if we don't have a complete meltdown like we've seen across parts of South America, um, we can suffer from sluggish growth for decades to come if oh, we are yeah. not careful. And we've seen the value of our dollar plunge by more than 15 percent just in the past six or seven months. It's amazing. Largely as a result from the fiscal imprudence. So that's yeah. going to be something we're going to have our, our, our eye on. That's not a Republican or Democrat issue. That's um, an issue that politicians of both parties are responsible for and are going to have to come together to resolve.
0: I walk by the city and for many, many years there's been um, signs up that uh, the Pete Peterson Foundation and other foundations will put up just to call attention to the deficit. And when I first came to town, the national debt was about uh, nine, ten trillion. And today I walk by a sign that said twenty eight trillion um, that level of debt growth is uh, uh, jaw dropping. And um, I wonder why the American people, have we just become numb to big numbers? What, what do you think the, the the lack of attention? We used to hold our Whoa. our leaders accountable, right? In fact, we had a balanced budget less than 20 years Whoa. ago.
1: I think uh, one of the things at play is that we've we've seen so much benefit from um the private sector and from the the boom in technology yeah. and the benefits that we've seen both in terms of goods becoming more affordable and in terms of lives becoming easier um that's masked the impact of the the over uh, spending and so it's a it's a matter of we we know our lives are actually modestly better now than they were a generation ago. Um, But it's hard to understand, well, just how much better could it have been had we not had government sucking up so many yeah. of these new resources. Um, and that's a, it's a tough battle to wage because it's easy to point out to a place like Venezuela that nationalized entire industries and expropriated private property, and you see so many millions of people unemployed. But we are a free society, and our government is too big, and we're taking on excess debt. But we are still growing, even if we're not growing as fast as we did in years past. And so it's, it's really uh, – it is a struggle um to to really um explain to people how much better things could be had we been making the better decisions when it comes to our uh, national uh, checkbook
0: if you will i remember senators when i got to town saying we're spending your grandchildren's money right now and now i think we're probably spending our great 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 grandchildren's money with the level of debt we're leaving behind um, you talked about freedom and, and I think of heritage and that's a word that just instantly comes to mind. All of the epic fights, all of the data, all the studies to preserve freedom against many different threats, whether it was 9-11 or uh, excessive spending over government regulation. Uh, the sudden uh, censorship crowd has literally flipped politics on its head. Liberals who used to be the champions. Of uh, free speech are now trying to justify this extraordinary crackdown on free expression, free free speech in America that's being, you know, carried out by these uh, oligarchs, these monopolies. Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter—we and all love their functionality, and the software is great, right? We all got addicted to it, but now they're trying to control thought and expression. What is Heritage, and then conservatives are fighting very hard to maintain these free speech platforms or to create new ones. As you look out, what is what does Heritage see in this debate, and what are some of the possible solutions to you know the Facebook, Twitter, YouTube crackdown? The leader of the free world can't express himself right now on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. And we have countries like Germany and Latin America, even the Russian opposition saying, we can't believe America's doing this. What's the solution? What do you see at Heritage?
1: Well, it's uh, it's, it's a, a matter of concern to to many Americans, many conservatives, even some uh, classical um, liberals, many classical liberals, um, that uh, you see this drive to, um, to to rein in speech and to, to censor, um, ideas, uh, I, the, you know, those those solutions are, um, you know, are are hard to come by um, right now. Um, you've seen what happened this past week with uh, with even uh, Parler, which has been an alternative to many individuals, uh, that's been taken down for the time being. Uh, Amazon Web Services does not want, or is chosen not to, to host them. Um, you know, thankfully, we do have other. Um, outlets, even though sometimes it's harder f- or it's um, not as convenient for people to get the news sources from it. But thankfully, we do have a a free press and we have our abilities to to uh, gain our information from there and express ourselves on there. Um, but certainly, we, we've come to rely upon um, social media networks um, to dispense information and also to receive it. So um, this is uh, something that I think we're going to have to work through um, as... Uh, as a, as a country, and uh, hopefully those even on the other side of the political spectrum will come to gain a re-appreciation, um for um, for for the way in which dialogue from divergent points of view um, is n- necessary for a free society to 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 function properly.
0: It uh, it is so well said. I mean, you, you did such a great job really summarizing. It, it, it's this is the essence of America. I mean, when you look at when the revolution was going on, what was our our greatest weapon beyond the ragtag team of uh, army we had? We had the free speech advocates, the Thomas Paines and the Ben Franklin's and the Thomas Jefferson's using their voice and that expression of freedom. And it seems as though an entire generation, I walk around, I have a lot of millennials working for me here at Just the News, but I walk around, I've been in college campuses, I talk, and there seems to be a disconnect that there's an entire generation of americans that aren't connected to the actual ideas and passions and and liberties that were at the forefront of um the founding of america the founding fathers you know who are such brilliant i guess we can't even use the word founding fathers on the floor of the speech anymore because the word father is banned on the house floor but the founding whatever we're going to call them on the house floor we we, uh, how do we connect do you think we're in an era where civics and And our connection to our foundation of this country has been interrupted and maybe perhaps hijacked by a new philosophy. Do you you say the same thing when you're when you're studying this at Heritage?
1: Oh, with uh, without a doubt, um, we we see a lack of civics education with with the younger generation. Uh, One of our um, um, scholars at Heritage, former scholars, Dr. David Azarad. I used to do a, um, a first principles course for college students, um, college graduates, um, even for, for Hill staffers, uh, first principles. And we're talking about the ideas upon which our nation are founded. What are the what's the thought processes, processes that went into um, our Constitution, the Bill of Rights? Where did those rights historically come from? Um, this whole idea of the Bill of Rights themselves actually enshrining the rights that we have. Not because the government gives them to us, but because of who we are as human beings, because of our creator, because of our, our, you know, the the basic rights of freedom of expression and thought and assembly. These are rights that are ours, regardless of whether or not a government even recognizes them. And we're just think we're fortunate to just live in a country where the government promises to protect those rights. But there's a lack of understanding of those basic uh, concepts. Um, uh, If you look at some of the old textbooks from decades ago, back in the 40s and 50s, and you see what our high school students were learning, you can understand how and what has been lost as public schools by and large no longer teach those, those founding principles. We've lost uh, a sense of what it actually means to be an American, what makes our country exceptional. Um, and I think this is something too, that uh, because our public schools and our universities aren't teaching this like they should be, um, it's uh, incumbent upon folks like yourself that have a platform and, and, and folks like me that work at Heritage to, um, to share those uh, timeless ideals.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great point. And I, we got we to gotta create, a, um, I think, a, a discussion in America to reconnect us to the civic origins of this incredible experiment that is the American experiment. Joel, I could listen to you all day, and I'll tell you what, we're going to make try to make you a regular on this show. Your your grasp of uh, knowledge, your grasp of uh, the policy issues, and of course the incredible resources of Heritage are so infresh, uh, refreshing and invigorating when you start to talk. Uh, before I let you go, uh, how do people follow you personally, and then how do they follow the great work of Heritage? Give us all the ways we can connect, at least as they're currently open uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and other places.
1: Well, sure thing. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Joel Griffith. And if you go to uh, Heritage, our our website's easy to navigate. If you go to heritage.org, any issue that you want to explore from a conservative perspective, you can just enter the term in the search bar and you'll see a wealth of information. And most of us are easily reachable um, on Twitter or, or via email.
0: Wow, that's so great. We're, uh, we're blessed to have such great uh, foundations and think tanks and, and uh, organizations like Heritage on, on all sides of the political spectrum. And in this era where a lot of acerbic voices are out there, it's really nice to have a rational, passionate voice uh, on, on the show and in, the, in the public space. So, Joel, thank you for the time and all that you're doing for all your great colleagues at the Heritage Foundation. Thank you. And keep up the good work. Talk soon. I will soon. OK, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up the day. and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Salomon Reports. I hope you enjoyed our guest. We'll be back tomorrow with more breaking news, new insights on one of the most turbulent weeks in recent history in this Washington district of Columbia where I work and follow news every day. We'll be back tomorrow. If you need a news fix, go to justinnews.com. We'll take good care of you. God bless you and God bless America.